This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. You are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. This is Matt Kent. <laughs> sort of, sort of break, it, break it down like good. Welcome to episode 110. 110 damn episodes. Yeah. What, have we, what have we done with our lives? Of Two-Headed Nerd, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, April 3rd. My name is Matt Baum. That is at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not questioning my life choices, shortly after finding out that Jimmy Fallon is one year older than me and taking over The Tonight Show, I write the comic speculator blog for WordPoint.com. Ladies and gentlemen, he ain't no little boy. He's a man. He's my friend Joe Patrick. Joe, tell him about yourself. I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not reassuring my co-host that he'd be fired after his first biracial gay joke, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at GoodPlusComic.com. I have to turn the low up on the deck so he doesn't sound like a baby, but I love him. This week, you'll hear reviews of Thanos Rising number one and Batwing 19 after that. We'll review 10 comics faster than Conan O'Brien can run from Jay Leno's doorstep after delivering a flaming bag of crap during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where defected North Korean nuclear scientists will help us learn the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we'll take a hard look at the state of the Marvel U six months into Marvel now! But before we get to all the nuclear war brinkmanship, let's take a second to renew our Netflix accounts and flip Fox the bird because Arrested Development is back Sunday, May 26th. They gave us a date yesterday. I'm so damn excited for the Blues to come back. Oh, yes. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Two legendary names in the comics industry passed away this week. First, Archie writer George Gladier died on Wednesday leaving a legacy with the publisher that spans a staggering 54 years. Gladier is best known as the co-creator of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, who he created with artist Dan DiCarlo in 1962. I Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know Sabrina was that old. That old. Gladier wrote for Archie until the day he passed. His work will still be published at least through June. Wow. Yeah. Is that The dude didn't stop. Carmine Infantino, an artist almost synonymous with DC Comics, passed away on Thursday at age 87. His career began at DC in 1947 when he co-created the Golden Age Black Canary with writer Robert Kaniger. Infantino spent the early 50s working on Western sci-fi and mystery books before famed editor Julius Schwartz tasked him and Kaniger with resurrecting the superhero genre in 1956. The duo revitalized the Flash brand with Barry Allen and ushered in the Silver Age of comics. It's true. Other characters co-created by Infantino include Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, The Elongated Man, and Dead Man. Love The Elongated Man. Infantino also illustrated the iconic story The Flash of Two Worlds, which introduced Earth 2 and the multiverse, a concept which plays a big part in the DC Universe still to this day. Infantino moved from the drawing table to an editor's desk in the late 60s where he made a profound impact, bringing the likes of Dick Giordano, Denny O'Neill, and Neil Adams, and Jack Kirby to DC. Infantino served as publisher of DC from 1970 to 1976, after which he returned to penciling, and the artist drew the final adventures of Barry Allen before The Flash's cancellation in 1985. Infantino spent the years before his retirement fostering a new generation of artists at New York's School of Visual Arts, and his legacy and impact on the comics industry will be felt forever. This is a brutal bummer. Both of these guys were giants. Yeah. Absolute giants in their field. I, I don't know Gladier's work as much as I didn't read as much RG stuff, and I'm not making fun of him. He had 50 years in the comics industry. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Infantino is more than a giant. He's a monster of he, comics. That guy was incredible. There's so much at DC that that he had a hand in, things that we take for granted today, like, right. like Earth 2 and... Barry Allen and uh, characters, beloved characters that go away and come back. Like Barbara Gordon was is is so beloved that they brought her back from an impossible paralysis. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, his impact is enormous. And then to then go on from creating to editing and say, hey, Jack Kirby, why don't you come to D.C. and create the new gods? Well, and that's another thing. Infantino that I want to bring up, one of those guys that really fostered talent and took care of guys and let people work at DC, something they could use a lot more of right now. The Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Batman, uh, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow, like hard traveling hero stuff. That's all, all happened under legendary stuff. Really? Yep. It's a sad day. And, uh, he had a good long life though. And he did his job and, and you know, the industry is better off for 
his involvement for both of their involvement. Absolutely. In it. Thank you for everything, you guys, and you will be missed. In movie news, it looks like Marvel Studios has cast several key roles for some of its Phase 2 films. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Star Trek actress Zoe Saldana is in talks to play Gamora in James Gunn's upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Saldana is no stranger to sci-fi action films. She co-starred in James Cameron's Avatar and played Lieutenant Uhura in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek reboot. By my count, this would be her third skin color. <laughs> Saldana would join Chris Pratt as Star-Lord and the recently confirmed Dave Bautista as Drax in the film. I love that casting so much. So far, so I good. I love right? it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fine with her. I, I think she's a great choice. Yeah, and she's a tough lady. She was in The Losers, right? She yes, was. She was in The Losers. I, I keep mixing up in my head The Losers and the A-Team movie because they came out at the same time. The A-Team was good. No, the A-Team was good. The Losers was a good movie, too. It was not good. Yes, it was. Dumb. But she was she was totally tough in that movie. She was fine. Yeah, but not the character that I wanted to see from The Losers, certainly. Yeah, whatever. Also this week, veteran actor Robert Redford confirmed that he will be playing, quote, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> in the upcoming Captain America sequel, The Winter Soldier, Joe Patrick what does that mean? And has anyone told Samuel Jackson he's been fired? <laughs> uh, I think what that means is that Robert Redford doesn't know anything about comics. Or is he Nick Fury's boss? Oh, well, you know, in the Avengers movie, how Nick Fury was answering to that shadowy, like, it's gonna be, Overwatch. It's going to be Robert Redford. He's going to be like I'm his sure boss. Robert Redford is, is going to be part of that. Yeah. But he's not going to be the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. like Nick Fury. I right. think he's going to be, like, the, the power behind the power. Right. But that's good casting too. Robert Redford is amazing. Oh, I, that's incredible for him to for him to decide to bother to make another movie. Right, I mean, is pretty big news. That's fairly impressive. And that he chose a comic book movie is doubly impressive. Finally, Marvel Comics has announced the Superior Foes of Spider Man, a new ongoing series beginning in July by Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. The series will revolve around the adventures and personal lives of perpetual third string supervillains Boomerang, the Shocker, the Beetle, Speed Demon, and Overdrive. Who happen to find themselves part of the new Sinister Six? Aren't Speed Demon and Overdrive pretty like close in powers? Overdrive is the guy that like takes over cars and, and oh, makes them right. into big that's right. crazy death Never machines. Mind. Dumb. Describing the new series, Spencer said, quote, A big part of this book is definitely showing you the life behind the costume. A lot of the time we spend with them, the masks are off. That was actually my pitch here, that these guys, they're actually a lot like Spider-Man in the classic sense of the character. They don't have the innate nobility or the desire to do the right thing, but they're hard luck stories just like Peter Parker is slash was. They're not shooting for the stars so much as trying to survive. Every time they win one in part of their lives, they lose in another. So there's something intrinsically cool and intriguing about that mirror aspect of the relationship. So Matt, and does Marvel think we didn't notice that the new Sinister Six only has five members? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak to that. Uh, I think this is a cool idea I oh like i love it. stuff like this but there's also this other part of me that just whenever they try and like play these super villains as hard luck cases and it's like they have multi-billion dollar technology at their disposal you know yeah <laughs> but you know they I, address that be like what they address that a lot in marvel like it comes from somewhere else right like they they have to like pay a guy to continuously maintain it right they touched on that in secret and that's War why they're not always super rich because it costs so much I to suppose. maintain and guys like boomerang and speed demon they obviously didn't like invent their stuff so it's not like well and speed demon has superhuman powers so he's just okay he runs real fast okay guys like boomerang he didn't invent his stuff the new beetle i don't know he may or may not have but it's, it's like, a lady. If you can do that, why not just like, you know, sell your technology to BASF yeah. or something and make 10 times as much <laughs> as you would get for robbing that bank? You that, know? That's, <laughs> that's the origin of like the original Beetle who later became a hero. He was an aeronautical engineer. Not even that. He was an airplane mechanic. So he wasn't even an engineer, but he had a good enough idea. This is the guy that became Mach 5? Yeah. Okay. And now he was in the Thunderbolts and all that. And so he had this smart enough idea to build this beetle suit and somehow had the wherewithal to do it and use it to rob banks instead of, instead of selling it for millions of dollars. Right. I mean, <laughs> come on. But I like I love I love it when they humanize the D-listers. I do too. I think like, it, I'm not saying I don't want to I don't want to know about the origin of the Joker. I don't want to know that Lex Luthor was abused. But when you take a guy like the Shocker, who I love. I like the Shocker too. And and Give me this like this hard luck, you know, 
guy trying to pick himself up by his bootstrap story. I love that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I and mean, I, it's fun. I, I think, and I like it, too. This is going to be great. Nick Spencer's really talented, and he's doing good stuff at Marvel right now. This will probably be even more fun. I love Steve Lieber. Oh, I love Steve Lieber, love too. Steve Lieber. Breaking news, this, has, this was part of the Superior Spider Week <laughs> that uh, Marvel has kind of announced a new thing every day. One of them was... Uh, Superior Carnage miniseries. Who cares? Kick ass. Yeah. Uh, just announced today they are re they are canceling Avenging Spider Man and relaunching it as Superior Spider Man Team Up, which is fine. I don't know how it will be different, but they're saying that coming up in Superior Spider Man, they're saying issue number nine, which should hit well by July, I assume. Uh, it will be as important an event, as seismic a shift as what happened in Spider-Man 700. So Peter comes back. No, no, because he's what? still Doc Ock. And I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know if he's just like full on, all right, you're on to me. Spider-Man's a villain. <laughs> and what if the sixth member of the Sinister Six is Spider-Man? Oh, God. <laughs> oh! I just incepted that. Wow. That's a mind-blowing shit. And that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where the top is still spinning and Joe Patrick cannot figure out if we are dreaming or not. <laughs> That's a good one. Each week, the despotic leader of the THN social networking presence, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter. And we not only read your responses, but if you call us on the Skype our Skype name is Two-Headed Nerd. There's no spaces in it. It's all one word. Figure it out, Camarillo Brillo. And leave us a message. We will play them all on the Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what did we ask these nerds this week? This week's question was, who is your favorite B-list or lower supervillain of all time? I love this question. No Lex Luthers, no Jokers, no Dr. Dooms. You get the gist. Now, if you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own uninformed responses, go to TwoEditNerd.com and check out the unedited, not safe for wallabies, answer of the week audio blog this coming Wednesday. You have until next Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central Time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the cutoff. Yes, that's the cutoff. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I review two of this week's new comics and then decide whether or not to push the button and rain nuclear hell down upon them. Ah. Joe Patrick, what'd you read this week? My review this week is of Batwing, number 19 from DC Comics, written by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, with art by Eduardo Pensica and Julio Ferreira. Here's your solicit. Batwing quits. And what new member of the Batman family is ready to take his place? If you want to know, just look at the last page. Yes, and we're not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it because that's kind of, you know, it's a twist. It's Ace the Bathound. It's Ace the Bathound. For those that don't remember, Batwing has been following the adventures of David Zavimbe, Batman Incorporated's agent in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We reviewed the first issue way back when the New 52 began, and if I remember correctly, we both thought it was decent. But neither of us was interested enough to keep following it. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Yes. Fast forward a year and a half, and David has had enough of his life as the Batman of Africa. The personal cost was too steep, and he's ready to call it quits. I picked up this issue because I liked the writing team of Palmiotti and Gray. And this was supposed to be the introduction of a new Batwing more closely tied to Batman and Bruce Wayne. In reality, though, this was much more of a send-off for the previous Batwing than an introduction to the new one. There's nothing at all wrong with it. Palmiotti and Gray gives Zavimbe a, a chance to get closure through one final mission, and their script is accessible even though I haven't read the series in over a year. Yeah, I didn't have a problem following no. it. Uh, the art by Pansica and Ferreira is decent but not remarkable. Uh, it's got a lot of potential, though. Their style reminds me a bit of Nicola Scott. Definitely. I see that, too. Uh, the last few pages give a super compressed introduction to the new Batwing costume and the man that will wear it, and I'm intrigued enough to keep reading for now. But considering this is DC's big what the f***, I think it would have been a more interesting read if they'd given Zavimbe his big send-off last month and let Paul Mie, Adi, and Gray go wild with the new Batwing in this issue. Uh, we'll have to wait until next month for a proper introduction, though. It was good, not great. I'm curious enough to keep on. I'm giving it a skim it. I think it's right about where I'm at. I have a couple problems with both this old Batwing and what I'm seeing in this new Batwing. 
I didn't like the old Batwing suit, the design of it. No, it's super just ugly. Dumb. It's yeah. dull it's and stupid boring. looking. Yeah. yeah, and like just when he's charging into like rooms and stuff with these big metal wings behind it, it's just and his, like he's wearing full body armor, yet yeah. his face and scalp are exposed. Yeah, like if you want, like if you shoot him in the chest. Not gonna do any damage. You want to hurt him? Punch him in the face, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, like, come on, it's just dumb. And it, I'm sorry, but we see Bruce Wayne build a new Batwing suit for this new candidate that's going to be Batwing, and it's got limited invisibility and stealth technology, and like, if you break your arm in it, it'll seal up and hold the bone in place and deliver, you know, pain medication and stuff. Here's my question: How come Batman's not wearing it? How come the old Batwing didn't have it? What? Yeah. <laughs> Why does Batman make this amazing suit that is so much cooler than what he wears? Well, yeah. And he's like, isn't it awesome, Alfred? I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I think or, you I'm sorry. To, he didn't make it. I should correct myself. Lucius, Lucius Fox. Lucius made Fox it. made it. You, but you have to allow for that sort of thing, though. You have to allow for them to make a jump forward in it's just, impressiveness. It's just kind of silly. I'm sorry. If I'm writing this... Well, I, I can't really say this without giving it away. But there's a way that they could have written it so that the new person that gets it gets it for an obvious reason. Sure. Because someone's worried about him. You know, I mean, I can see that. But it's just kind of silly to me. I don't know. And I'll check this out. Like, I want to see where it goes. I still don't even really like the name Batwing. I think it's kind of silly. My 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 problem with the old series was that I just didn't find it interesting. No, I mean, I'll give you, know, you that. It, I, like, the idea is very interesting. The idea is, is fantastic. I just don't think it was really well executed. I, this new Batwing is supposed to be more, like, globe-trotting. Right. Not necessarily stuck in one place, He's, but bouncing around from place to place. Right. Send around and to do what Batman can. That sounds more fun to me. Sure. And I'd like to see, I hope he works more closely with the Batman Incorporated characters. I'd like to see that. Yes, I would too. And, and if that's where they go, I'll read it. Yeah. This is only a skim it for me. There you go. Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read Thanos Rising, number one. I stole it right out from under Joe Patrick. This one is written... Story of my life. ...by Jason Aaron with art by Simone Bianchi. What comes after Marvel? Now! Whatever it is, it starts here. Bullet! The vile face left movie audiences in shock after last summer's Marvel Studios, the Avengers movie. But who is this eerily disturbing villain? Bullet! Thanos rises as the unrivaled rogue of wretchedness in this gripping tale of tragedy, deceit, and destiny. Where did the demigod of death and destruction come from? And dot dot dot, more importantly, what does he want? Bullet! The answers come from the incredible creative team. I'm not going to read that. You, you get it. Anyway. <laughs> none of what they're talking about here in this solicit happens in this issue. None of it. <laughs> this one opens with another big widescreen movie moment, which Marvel's getting really good at. And I admit it. I like it. It works for me still. I was excited to see what Bianchi would do with a story like this, and it turns out he was a really good choice for this. Yeah. I don't love Bianchi's art style when he's drawing books like Wolverine, but when he's doing something in outer space with despotic space gods and alien cities, he's really, really good. He's got a very soft line here. He's got this three-dimensional style that sometimes wanders in the realm of the bizarre, but... It seems here he didn't so much get lost in his own details like he did when he was drawing Wolverine. It's still busy, but it's not overly busy. He seems it's, a little more focused. It's more straightforward. Yeah, he's more focused. He's more controlled. His panels aren't cluttered. Each one looks very well thought out and just absolutely beautiful. He does an amazing job realizing things like the underground city of the Eternals on Titan, which is the moon of Saturn, where Thanos is from. And these strange iguana-like creatures that crawl around like squirrels all over this place <laughs> look really cool. This isn't some of his most detailed work, but I really think it's some of his best because he just settled down and drew a comic book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aaron, the writer, Jason Aaron, does a great job selling you young Thanos as a kid, even going as far as to buck the typical tired, bullied-as-a-child storyline that Hollywood reaches for whenever they want to explain a villain's motivation. I thought this book was going to take a couple turns and just leave me yawning, and it never did. It, it kind of surprised me. Turns out, Thanos had buddies. He was pretty likable as a kid. <laughs> he was all right. There's a really chilling moment with Thanos and his mother, and it's shortly after his born. I'm not going to go into what happens, but it works very well, and she knows something about her kid, and that is for definite. And they do play him as a tragic figure, but not in an obvious way. This is just Thanos as a little kid here, 
but it worked for me. There was a point when the story jumped a little bit, and I wasn't sure if the idea was to show the passage of time, but it didn't work very well for me. It's where young Thanos is, I'm not going to go into why, but he's trapped in a cavern, and it's sort of jumped into a story that someone was telling about what happened to him and then he was out and just got kind of confusing and i'm not sure if the blame lies in the writing or the art regardless of that this is a really interesting backstory so far we don't know the backstory of thanos we've never seen it right um maybe but not in this kind of detail not in this kind of detail i think this is interesting (laughs) i'm genuinely interested in a character that i never really cared about before the colors in this book were incredible the art is incredible it's a great book i'm saying buy it I liked it a lot, but this is kind of what I was talking about in the in the big news. I don't really want Thanos as a tragic figure. Like, I don't want to feel sorry for him. Fair enough. And so it, that kind of takes away it takes away from it a little bit for me. Now, I'm not convinced that everything we're seeing in the book is happening literally. I don't want to say too much. Like you think someone might be telling this story? No, I think that some of the people that are there are not people. There was something definitely, there was one of the characters specifically that spoke to him that knows things about him. I don't think, I think that, that she that's... has no business knowing. Right. So, And I'm not going to say any more about it, but there's enough there that it looks like he's being pushed in a you direction. You think he's in the Matrix? No. I think he's being pushed in a direction. Yes. Rather than, you know, he's becoming in the product of his environment. And I do like the fact that it wasn't just the same old sob story about he, him being abused. Because we know enough about his past. We right. know that he's the son of Mentor and the brother of Star Fox. Right, right, right. And his life was not couldn't have been that bad. No. Uh, but I liked, it. I liked that they're doing this a little differently. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go all Rob Zombie here. And, and I like, think that they're His mom going- was a stripper. His dad was <laughs> yeah, drunk exactly. and fat. Farted a lot, you know, like, oh man, that would turn me into Thanos too. <laughs> and I, I like that it looks like it's going to take a huge jump forward. We're not going to get like issues after issue after issue no. of Thanos being just a poor, you know, nerdy kid. Back when it's Thanos just gonna was go, Steve Urkel, right? It's just going to be like, well, he's Did messed I? up forever now. Did issue I two. Do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thanos! This was a lot of fun. Jason Aaron turned into great script. Yeah. Simone Bianchi is beautiful on the art, and the art is a lot easier to follow. He's less off cluttered. the drugs. It's good off news. Off the drugs. <laughs> I'm giving this a buy it as well. I'm eager to see um, Jason Aaron fill in the rest of the gaps. So that's a double skim it for Batwing number 19 and a double buy it for Thanos Rising number one. Of course, we want to know what you replacement heroes and future Universal Conquerors thought of these comics. So put on your bat suit. And drop some science on us over at the comments section for this episode at TwoEditNerd.com. He'll have no fury like a despotic ruler called out and laughed at on a global stage. So join us now as Joe and I are loaded into an unarmed missile that will be fired into North Korean airspace. Where we'll spring from the warhead several hundred feet above Pyongyang, revealing ten comics in free fall before landing on Kim Jong-un. Killing him and then join the entire country in a Ferris Bueller's Day Off style parade scene during this week's ludicrous speed round. Didn't that happen in one of the Hot Shots movies? Mm, I think it was Team America. Ludicrous speed! Go! Miss Fury, number one, Dynamite. This is another Golden Age character that Dynamite is bringing back. She's basically Catwoman, but she's completely psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> She's, it was kind of fun to read, but a little too compressed for me. Rob Williams is writing this one. I actually like him. Skim it. You know, not bad art. Detective Comics number 900 from DC. That's right, suckers. We <laughs> refuse to call it anything different. This is what would have been the 900th issue of Detective Comics. Uh, this is by John Lehman, Jason Fabok, and a host of amazing artists, Andy Clark, etc., etc. It's action-packed. It's like five stories for eight bucks. It's 80 pages. Which is funny, because like if you didn't know anything about this, you don't follow it, you just pick up the relaunch, you'd be like, oh, they decided to do a huge issue. Why is this 19? issue 19? <laughs> Why is this at seven ninety nine? Yeah. But it was really good. It's about the man-bats getting loose. It's really the first appearance of the man-bats in the New 52 outside of... Batman Incorporated. Right. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Mr. Zazz is in it, and that, that dude's always up for a good time. Like him. Uh, this was really nice. I had a good time reading it. I'm giving it a buy it. Harbinger Wars, number one from Valiant. This is the Harbinger 
Bloodshot crossover that has they both books have been leading towards for a while. Swizinski is writing this along with Joshua Dysart, the writer of Hardbringer. This was f***ing cool, man. Valiant has all their ducks in a row and is doing a great job. Clayton Crane's on the arc here. He's totally badass. The book looks good. It reads well. I can't say enough about the quality going on in Valiant Comics. Buy the hell out of this. And go back and then buy all the rest because those are good too. Swamp Thing number 19, DC. This is the first issue by Charles Sewell. 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 Uh, art by Kano, who I really like. But He's like it, Sting. He got one name. Yeah. But it took me a long time to look at it and get over the fact that it wasn't Yannick Paquette yeah. or somebody else. Yeah. It's very different. It's a it's a weird disconnect. The story's decent. Swamp Thing, who still thinks like Alec Holland, just needs a break, man. And he goes to Metropolis and runs into the Scarecrow. Did he want to just hit some of the restaurants or what? <laughs> he wanted to go to the Botanical Garden. And, you know, it's it's fun. It's, it's just a good old Swamp Thing story. No huge 36-part Rot World tie-in. I, I liked it. I'm giving it a buy it. The art, though, I did struggle to get used to it. I like Kano. I like Kano. It I was like just it. way different uh, for this book. I like Kane, too. He's scary. The Undertaker's brother. Okay, great. <laughs> Polarity, number one, from Boom Studios. Polarity is written by the lead singer of the band Say Anything, not a band I particularly care about. But the funny thing about this is, and I couldn't really wrap my head around it, it's sort of like... A hipster band writing a comic book, making fun of hipsters, and it was really overwritten in some points, but it actually wasn't bad. By the time I got the end of it, I was sort of wanted to read some more. I didn't love yeah. the art at first, but it kind of grew on me too. This isn't bad at all, and it's kind of an interesting thing. It's kind of an interesting take on bipolar disease, on hipster culture, on artists that have superpowers. <laughs> you know? I think it was... That old chestnut. It was fairly interesting. I'm giving it a skip it. Earth 2, number 11 from DC. This is the introduction of Dr. Fate into the Earth 2, New 52 universe. And pretty cool. Looks pretty rad. But it's decent. It's a lot of fun. Nicole Scott Art. Can't go around with that. Uh, also, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda show up. hey Totes Radical. I'm giving it a buy it. I liked it a lot. WTF! <laughs> Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible, number one from Dark Horse. I didn't realize this is not a miniseries. This is actually an ongoing series from Dark Horse. I wonder if it will be a series of minis like BPRD used to be. Quite possibly, but I think it's going to be numbered just like because any other They're series. soliciting it as one of three, two of three, three of three. It's absolutely kick-ass. This is it. Like, I can't really go into what's going on with Abe Sapien, but the character is messed up after the events of some things that took place in BPRD. You don't totally need to be caught up on BPRD to pick this one up and read it. They do a good job spelling it out. The art by Sebastian Fiumera is beautiful. It's so good. This is creepy. It's scary. It's more quality horror from Dark Horse. Buy this. Action Comics number 19 from DC. This is the first and only issue from Andy Diggle uh, with art by Tony Daniel. It is, of course, the first issue after Grant Morrison. And I wanted to go to try to see if it was, you know... Any good. So? It's fine. <laughs> it still doesn't really feel like my Superman. Right. But it still it still has a, a certain charm to it. Fair enough. There's some fun scenes with Super uh, uh, Clark Kent and Lois Lane having lunch. And, you know, there's uh, there's a certain charm to it. That sounds exciting. And then, <laughs> and then he hears there's trouble, and he runs out of the restaurant where they're having lunch, tears open his shirt, and you see his weird nano suit materializing underneath. You know, that iconic scene where Superman tears open his shirt and his nano suit materializes. <sighs> Here's the thing. I don't know what to tell you about this book. I like Andy Diggle, but don't get used to it. Tony Daniels okay? I don't want him writing it. Skim it? Leave it. Come on. Leave, leave, it. leave it. There you go. All right. Mice Templar, Volume 4, Legend, number one from Image. I've never read Mice Templar before. I picked it up. In fact... Okay, embarrassing story. I looked at it on the solicitor. I was like, oh, yeah, kick ass. There's going to be more Legend of the Mouse Guard. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This is Mice Templar. You know what? It's not bad, and I like it. Michael Avon Oming, but it's no Mouse Guard. Skip it. It's the best I can do. And I, I'm sorry, but I tell you what. You, you want to have a second book with mice in it? I'm going to compare it to the really good one. Yeah, there you go. Hey, look, that's fair. Last of Us, American Dreams, number one from Dark Horse. This is a tie-in to the upcoming PS3 game, The Last of Us. 
Unfortunately, Matt, Mom, and I will never get a chance to play it, but it looks totally kick-ass. It looks amazing. Yeah, it does look pretty good. Not uh, buying a PS3. No, no, no. No, no way. Uh, this is drawn by the amazing artist Faith Aaron Hicks. Uh, even on its own, outside of the video game story, it's a wonderful little tale about, like, post-apocalyptic... Not apocalyptic, but, like, there was a plague. Post-pandemic. Post-pandemic, yeah, and how society is is handling it and and one little girl specifically and how she survives it's very compelling i'm giving this one a buy it even though i'm not gonna be able to play the game i think on its own it's a great story the art did look really good yep it's a sound made by miss fury punching a cop that really just seemed like he was trying to help her out as seen in this week's miss fury number one he's like Hey, you're one of those new costume superheroes. I'm a cop. I ain't no superhero. I appreciate you. And she's like, I'm, don't call me a superhero. Blah! And I'm like, whoa, what the hell, lady? <laughs> right in the beans. After receiving a desperate email from a listener who just happens to be the chief of North Korean nuclear defense, and with a little help from our buddy Firestorm, the nuclear man, that's Ronnie and Martin. Sorry, Jason Rush fans. Yeah, screw you guys. We were able to liberate the whole North Korean nuclear science team who are now refining uranium in the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's a little warm. Which will which we will use not only to work on our tans, but to peer into the future of next week's comics. Bikini season is coming. That's right. We want to bronze up. Got a, a tone. Got a tone. Come on. Matt, what's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is X, number zero, from Dark Horse, written by Dwayne Swierzynski, with art by Eric Wynn. Here's your solicit. Three crime lords in the decaying city of Arcadia have received photographic death sentences from the mysterious X-Killer. Their cunning defenses won't stop Arcadia's vigilante from making sure each one of them suffers. Now this comes from the pages of Dark Horse Presents. I've already read it, and I very much liked it. There's a new X-Series coming also written by Dwayne Swierzynski. So, if you didn't want to pay eight bucks to check this out... Eight bucks an issue. This is your chance to get the whole story, two ninety nine. I'm saying do it. Joe Patrick, what is your pick for next week? I have chosen Invincible Universe number 1 by Phil Hester, with art by Todd Nock. Here's your solicit in the aftermath of Invincible 100 and the death of everyone. Dinosaurus has left his mark on the world. Can heroes from across the universe, Invincible, the Guardians of the Globe, Tech Jacket, the Astounding Wolfman, and more, contain the damage done? Or are the end times of the Invincible universe ahead? I'm a huge fan of Invincible, and I have been loving what Hester and Nock have been doing on Guarding the Globe, the Invincible spinoff. This, I think, is like the replacement for that book. It's a little bit more broad, broadly scoped. It's got Invincible in the title. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, we, you gotta sell those books. We see you working. <laughs> but I strongly urge you to pick this up. It's just good, old-fashioned superhero comics, and they do them very, very well. Phil Hester can't do wrong. I'll tell you what. I love, love that guy. guy. He's a beautiful man. And our trade paperback pick for next week is Mind Management, or Mind MGMT. Or, mind Migment. Or Mind Migment. <laughs> The hardcover, number one, from Dark Horse, collecting one through six of Matt Kent's bizarre story of conspiracy and mind control. Here's your solicit. Reporting on a commercial flight where everyone aboard lost their memories, a young journalist stumbles upon to a much bigger story, the top-secret mind management program. These comics are so thick and so chunky in the reading. Literally, you can read through it, Turn the whole book to the side. Read another story that's written in the margins. <laughs> it is incredible. I love mind management. This is your chance to pick up the first six. Number one and two are very hard to find. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to share your backside bronzing tips with us over at our Facebook page. That's nerd.com slash nerd. Did I say two at a nerd.com sure slash two at a nerd? Dipshit. And you made fun of me for months because I couldn't figure out which way the slash was going. Facebook.com slash two at a nerd. Before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Thanks again to 
for sponsoring THN. If you'd like more information about sponsoring the show, send an email to twitternerd at gmail.com with the subject line, sponsorship. Obviously, we need it. <laughs> Way back in the year 2011, when DC pushed the big red button and relaunched their universe, we covered the hell out of it, just like good nerd journalists should. As you might recall, at first, we loved the relaunch. Couldn't stop talking about it. Even gave them our golden Beppo for best big two publisher because of the sheer ballsiness of the move. Six months in, however, the relaunch began to lose its luster. And today, well, we hate it. So, (laughs) it only seems fair that in today's episode of The State Of, we'll be looking at Marvel Now, six months into their new status quo. Joe Patrick, where should we start with The State Of Marvel Now? Let's start with the first book, Uncanny Avengers. And for clarification's sake, we're not going to go in and discuss every book because some of them just continued business as usual. What we're going to discuss are the new now titles. The new titles are the titles that are significantly changed. So let's briefly go through the new now titles, starting with Uncanny Avengers, the first one that relaunched Marvel Now. And we'll give each one a quick buy it, skim it, or leave it as we tend to do, and we'll total it up on the scorecard and see where Marvel now stands up. Joe Patrick, tell me about Uncanny Avengers. This book is the melding of the Avengers and X-Men universes. You've got Havoc as the leader, you've got Captain America, you've got Thor, Wolverine, Rogue, Scarlet Witch, and now Wonder Man and the Wasp. And this is the Avengers and X-Men working together to show that mutants can be heroes. They're not monsters trying to improve the mutants' PR in the wake of the Phoenix invasion. Right. And I like this book a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. It's got a really classic feel to it. It's got great art every month. And Rick Remender has shown that he knows how to handle teams. Oh, yeah. And I think he's doing something really fun here. I'm giving this one a buy it. Uh, I'm giving it a buy it as well, but I still don't like John Cassidy's Havoc outfit no it's a terrible sucks. outfit just sucks terrible but outfit it's a great book it's a lot of fun let's talk about a plus x this one also debuted the in october of 2012 this was a mix of avengers and x-men also but it's more of sort of like a team-up book it just feels really unnecessary to me it's two stories and each one is an x-men or a mutant and an avenger teaming up so it's not necessarily always avengers and x-men like last time it was Kid Loki and Mr. Sinister. Right. And some of them are good. It just feels unnecessary. It's it, like any anthology, it's hit and miss. Necessary, schmessary. I mean, some of these books aren't going to be necessary, but if they're good, then they're good. This one is just good sometimes. So I'm giving it a skim it. Skim it from me as well. All right. Tell us about all new X Men. All new X Men is Brian Michael Bendis' big push into the X Men universe. He's left the Avengers behind, and now he's leaving his mark on the mutants. This is the original X-Men from the past in the present day. Plucked into the present. Yes, plucked into the present by the Beast so that he can show Cyclops how horribly wrong it's all gone. Yes. And really, that's so irresponsible. Completely. (laughs) This book is wonderful. It's so good. This book is wonderful. This is some of the best X stuff I've read in years. It's really good. I called my shot. I said this is exactly what Bendis would do. He would bring humanity back to the X-Men. I love this book. Giant buy it for me. Big buy for me, too. Stuart Eminen on art most of the time. David Marquez filling in when Eminen's not uh, available. Both are really good. Very, very well drawn. I like what he's doing on this book a whole lot more than I do... His other X book, which we will talk about later. We'll get there. Moving right along to the new Avengers series, written by Jonathan Heckman. <laughs> Not to be confused with new Avengers. Right. Pardon me. Moving right along to the new comma Avengers series. Also incorrect. <laughs> yeah. But that's all right. Written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Jerome Opinia. Hickman came on this right after his Fantastic Four, where he told us a big, huge, cosmic, mind-bending story, and he appears to be bringing that to the Avengers now. Yeah, there's something about this that I don't really enjoy. I, I like it. I think it's beautifully drawn. It, it, Dromo Pena gave way to and Adam Kubert. It's gorgeous. Who was given away to Dustin Weaver. Just beautiful. It's a beautiful book. But there's something about the kind of long-form, grandiose, slow-burn thing that he did in Fantastic Four that I don't think works as well in the Avengers. The Avengers needs to be more of a blockbuster. Fair enough. Not to say that it should be stupid or dumbed down, and it's also not to say that there's no action, but I, I don't need the 
intricate jigsaw puzzle not, in the Avengers. So not so much Inception. A little, you want a little more Fast and Furious. A kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that wrong? Is that wrong? I don't know. I'm 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 enjoying the hell out of this one, and I think it's gonna be really fun. And I trust Hickman. And my only complaint: too many new characters. When there's plenty of other Avengers, we could look into. Like, where's the Black Knight? Come on, man. I love that character. Bring him back. Do something with him. Still giving this a buy it. I really like. I'm it. giving it a buy it too. It's. I feel like if it wasn't for the literal Avengers being there, this book wouldn't feel like the Avengers. Tell us about Avengers Arena. This book I love. This is a lot of teen heroes thrown together, Battle Royale style, some Hunger Games style. Some new ones, some old ones. Right. You've got uh, Nico and Chase from the Runaways. You've got Darkhawk, X-23, some Avengers Academy kids. Yeah. And some new kids that have been invented. This is by Dennis Hopeless with art by Kev Walker. Who's do, do, doing a bang up job it's on this. Really, the art is great. really great. And it's not what some people might worry it is. It's not torture porn or just kids being brutalized every five seconds. It's just a really wonderful, drawn out story about how these kids are reacting and how they're slowly kind of giving way. To what Arcade is, has done to them. Arcade being the bad guy, who I love, and I'm yeah. so happy to see that they brought him back and made him scary. I don't know how this is an ongoing series for an indefinite period, but for the story we're on now... I think it's only a 12-issue series. No, it's ongoing. Oh, really? But right now, I am on board. I am hooked on Avengers Arena. A huge buy it from me. Two more. That's two. Buy it from me as well. All right, how about Cable and X-Force? Cable and X-Force is also Dennis Hopeless. Salvador LaRocca is drawing this. He doesn't seem to be drawing famous people's faces on my favorite comic characters anymore, and I mm, like that. Not as often. I really enjoy this book. I really like what Dennis Hopeless is doing with it. I really like how Cable's a badass again and has a mission and has things going on. Because for a while there, he's just kind of flailing around. I'm giving this one a gigantic buy -in. I think this one is good, not great. Oh, shame on you. Uh, Salvador LaRocca, I've kind of gotten over him. See, I'm liking him again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm liking him again. I don't know. I like Cable. I like Forge. I like Colossus. I like Domino. Right on. I like Dr. Nemesis. I love I like, Domino. I like all of the individual elements. I just don't know if I'm that excited about the story. Fair enough. What's your rating? I'm giving it a skim it. Woo! Tell me about the new Captain America series by Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get caught up in time for recording, but I really loved what I read when the series first started. This is Captain America going back to the 70s style, huge sci-fi action epics, like in the vein of Jack Kirby's Mad Bomb story yeah. from the 70s. He's been kidnapped and thrown into a different dimension. Dimension Z. Yeah. He's stuck in Dimension Z, and Arnim Zola is the ruler. Z is for Zola. Yeah, and now Cap is in charge of this kid. And that's about all I know because I'm four issues behind. I am caught up, and I, at first I didn't care for it. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And and what it was was, was such a sudden jerk and direction away from what was going on in Captain America. Right, right, right. Now I love it. I absolutely love it. And John Romita Jr. looks great again. Yeah. I was worried we were losing him. He looks great again. This is a buy it for me. Buy it for me, too. I can't wait to get caught up. Uh, I really like the tone Remender is giving this book. It is way different. Oh, yeah. Don't come in expecting Brubaker's Cap. No. It's a whole different genre for the character. And we have no idea when it's taking place either because Captain America is doing just fine in the regular <laughs> in almost every the other regular Marvel In year. almost every other Marvel book. Moving on to Deadpool, written by comedians Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan with art by Tony Moore. You know, I didn't think Deadpool would ever be readable again after what they've done with him. Daniel Way has done with him. And I don't hate Daniel Way. I just don't like the way that he wrote I Deadpool at all. I hate him. I do like this Deadpool. I'm it, just kidding. I don't hate him. It's fun. This Deadpool is fun. The art is very good. This is a good place for Tony Moore. You can tell he's having a good time here. I could only give it a skim it, though. And I think what? it's because I'm Why? tired of this Deadpool. I just want my old Deadpool back. <sighs> but it's, it's not poorly written. And maybe it's just me. I, I It's just me. You, you know, know what? I'm giving it a buy it because it is a quality read. Coward. Yeah, I'm doing it. Buy it for me. I, I am almost caught up. And I saw in the last issue I read, I saw elements of that old Deadpool Fair where enough. he drops the Bugs Bunny facade mm -hmm. and he starts to get serious when when the situation demands it. And I really like this book a lot. I let myself get behind on it because it seemed inconsequential. But now I'm up to date, and I I can't get enough of it. I laugh out loud several times per issue, and the artwork is gorgeous. It is beautiful. 
this most recent issue, I haven't read it yet. The most recent issue uh, where he's in the past, stuck in the body of Tony Stark during the demon in a bottle. <laughs> it has clever. to be seen to be believed. It's very clever. It's done up like an old comic with like the color dots and everything. Rating. Ugh, buy it. Moving on. Let's talk about FF and Fantastic Four together. They're both written by Matt Fraction. We've got Mike Alred on art for FF and Mark Bagley on art for Fantastic Four. I love FF. I love it. Love it. Love it. The kids are cute. It's funny. It's like a feel-good book. It's just like a great cartoon. Fantastic Four, I don't love. I like them both. I like Fantastic Four. I don't love it. Well, that's okay. I know. It's okay to just I like something. I understand that, but I just... it's. Listen, you can't punish a book for not being Hickman. I get that, and that's and maybe that's what I'm doing. That's I, a lesson John Luttrell taught me on the internet last week. I'm the week. first person to tell you that I love Matt Fraction, and I will defend him against anybody who says that he's no good, and I don't understand the people that don't like him. And I'm, I will give both a buy it. You know what it is? I think it's more Mark Bagley's art. I don't love Mark Bagley's art I think Bagley's Mark Bagley's doing right very now. well, but I've always been a fan, and you haven't. I'm giving a buy it for FF and a buy it for Fantastic Four. I can't say skim it. Buy it from me as well for both. All right. That's, I like them a lot. That's two more. Moving right along. We've only had two issues. The Guardians of the Galaxy, B.M. Bendis, is back writing another book with Steve McNiven Art. We just talked about this one last week on the show. It's a buy it from both of us. Yeah, it's good. We okay. like it. But you did skip over Fearless Defenders. Boom, bam. I skipped Fearless Defenders because I only read the first issue. Yes, but I've read both, and the second issue was better than the first. Okay, what do you think? I'm still giving it a skim it, me because too. it hasn't completely won me over, but I like where it's headed. You know who hasn't completely won me over at Marvel? Cullen Bunn. Cullen Bunn. Boom. Indestructible Hulk, Mark Wade's Hulk, uh, hopefully bringing some of his Daredevil magic to the Hulk. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I love it. I don't love it. I think it's great. I think it's... Okay. I did not love the Atuma storyline. Yeah. But this last issue from this issue from this week with Walt Simonson on art was amazing. Really? Yes. I've it not was read that one wonderful. Yet. So far, I'm seriously I'm giving it a skim it. Oh no. I think this is great. It's not as it, it's not as much fun as Daredevil. No. And I don't know if that's no. just because I like Daredevil more as a character. And, well, maybe the whole can't be as much fun as Daredevil. Perhaps, also. perhaps. I mean, it's, it's a buy it from me. Okay. <laughs> Iron Man. Karrion Gillen took over with art by Greg Land. I just caught up on Iron Man last week. Read them all. I don't love it. Uh, I It's growing on me. It's well written. If you had asked me after issue two, I would have said leave it. Yeah. But now that we're on issue six or seven, I'm saying skim it. I don't like Greg Land's art here. I do not I like don't it. either, but Dale Eaglesham's taking over. And I'm excited about that. But right now, skim it from me as well. Morbius, the living vampire. I can't. I've only read number one. You That's get- fine. There are only two. Oh, no, there are three. Uh, I've, I've caught up on Morbius. It is absolutely not what I want from a book about Morbius. Really? It's Morbius in a hoodie as a homeless guy Dumb. defending the streets Dumb. from and was, weird gang members. And I was really excited for Keating to do this. Yes, too. I know. Like, why isn't this like a totally scary horror book? I'm giving this one a leave it. I'm giving it a leave it too. I can't recommend it, even though I'm going to keep reading it for a little while longer. It's just so off the mark. I, I only read it. the first issue and I didn't care about it. Leave it. New Avengers, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Steve Epting. Really, they should have just called this book the Illuminati. They should have called this Avengers Illuminati. It's just stupid that they didn't. I love this book. I like it a lot. It's a little impenetrable at times. It's a little bit too much of that Hickman stuff. Oh, I love that Hickman stuff. I do too, but you know what? This is the book for it. And here, I love it. Yes. In Avengers, where it's Sunspot and Cannonball and Thor and Spider-Man, I want it to be a little bit less... The world engine is breaking. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever. Uh, I'm giving this one a buy it. Steve Epting, my God. I love that man. That guy is amazing. Wonderful. Next, we've got Nova, the new series starring not Rich Rider, Sam Alexander, who I keep calling Sam Worthington. (laughs) Is Rich Rider dead? Did he die in the cancerverse? We don't know. You know what? In the letters page of Nova number two, or perhaps number one, they said something about, uh, why didn't you bring Rich Rider back? And the guy answering the letter said, who says we didn't? What? See you next month. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I really liked it. I did too. I was ready to hate it because Jeff, Jeff Loeb, Loeb. Yep. and Where's My Nova, yep. and, 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 but it's really fun. They did a great job. Ed McGinnis is kick-ass yeah. here. I love it. Buy it from me. Buy it from me as well. Savage Wolverine, number one by Frank Cho. 
I don't like it. There's just like nothing for me to say about it. I feel nothing for this book. It's beautifully drawn. Frank Cho draws beautiful dinosaurs, makes Shannon the She-Devil so sexy, it's almost hard to look at, you know? Yeah. But uh, but I, that does not carry I feel a story. Nothing. I feel nothing. Leave it. Leave it. Yeah. I Sad. Secret Avengers by Nick Spencer and Luke Ross. We're two Have issues, you been reading this? We're two issues deep. Two issues deep. It's great. I love it. It's totally great. I love this spin of of the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents brainwashing heroes to do their bidding. It's very cool. And then like wiping their memories out with a code word. Yes. It's so good. They're truly secret Avengers. They really are. And they don't even know that they're Avengers. Yeah, I like Huge it. Huge buy it for me. I like where this is going a lot. Me too. The Superior Spider-Man by Dan Slott with art by Ryan Stegman. And others. And hum- others. Humberto Ramos, Giuseppe Camoncoli. Oh, yeah. A bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. I was saying to Matt before we recorded, I think people that don't like Superior Spider-Man are stupid. Yeah. If you don't like this book, there's something wrong with you and you don't like Spider-Man. Yeah. You really this don't. This is so you, good. Oh, whatever. It's not Peter Parker. You're right. It's not. It's still completely a Spider-Man story, Yes. Though. The it's story so is how does Peter Parker fight his way back to life? It's not just that, though. It's also someone trying to fill Peter Parker's shoes and seeing how ridiculous his life actually really is. And I love <laughs> the fact that we don't know whether or not he's actually trying to be a hero or if he's just trying to live the life. Right. I love that I don't know. It's so much fun. I don't know what Doc Ock's going to do. Yeah. In fact... A couple issues back, he did something that caught me completely off guard to a supervillain. Yep. I love this book. Huge buy it. Gigantic buy it for me. Thor, God of Thunder, Jason Aaron, Asad Ribic. This is the best Marvel comic book on the stand. I think that this is the best Marvel this Now comic. This is hands down the best Marvel Now comic. Not to mention, when this is said and done, this might be one of the best Thor stories I've ever read. It is so damn good. That's a buy it. Yeah, this is a buy it. It's so beautifully drawn that when there was a fill-in artist last issue, and I went, ah, what is this filth? It was Butch Geist. It was Butch Geist, who I love. <laughs> yeah, we both really like. But I was so caught off guard that it wasn't Asad Ribic and so disappointed that it affected me. Yeah. I love this book. It's brutal. It's vicious. The God Butcher is terrible and scary. I love it. Huge buy it. Moving right along, the team that we did not care for in Deadpool is now writing Thunderbolts Daniel Way with art by Steve Dillon. Don't care. I don't care either. I read two issues of it and I quit. You want to leave me uninterested in something? Give me a love story with Frank Castle and Elektra. And Dumb. they're all they've all got their logos painted red. Dumb. Why are their logos painted red? Yeah. Maybe they explained it, but I was too bored to keep reading. I'm giving it a leave it. Leave it. That's two leave it. Next up. We've got Uncanny X-Force. This is the relaunch, not by Rick Remender, but by Sam Humphreys, with art by Ron Garney. A little bit different than the last volume. It is a little bit different, but you know what? So far, ton of fun. Puck is there, and he's a womanizing, like, (laughs) womanizing, misogynistic jerk, and I love him. (laughs) This is a great book. My only question is, do we need, like, three predominantly, or two predominantly female X-Books? For now... I'm totally in on Are this one. Are you threatened? No, Do I you just, feel threatened by like, them. They just announced that Brian Wood has like an all-female team, and yeah. Uncanny X-Force is pretty much an all-female team with Puck. Except for the one non-female. Yeah, but I love it so far. Sounds like you're threatened. Sam Humphreys is killing it here. Love this one. And Ron Garney, better than he's looked in years. I agree. He is, his art is just like <laughs> amazing. I like this book too. I love Puck. I'm glad he's back. Buy it from me. Moving right along to Uncanny X-Men, also by B.M. Bendis, with art by the amazing Chris Bacalo or Bachelo, or Bacalo. This book follows Cyclops' team of revolutionaries as they try to do something that the regular X-Men don't like and I can't quite figure out. What's, their po- what's the point of them? I really like this book. Are they really going to revolt against humanity? Is I that the really point? I really like this book, and I don't think it is a revolt against humanity. I think this is showing Cyclops' point of view, and he knows he's right. He knows they're threatened, and he does not think Captain America's way of mixing Avengers and X-Men is going to work, and he might be right. I you don't mean know. Xavier's dream of peaceful coexistence? Xavier, yes. The dream that he's fought for his entire life? I think he's realized it's not going to work, and he's a little more Magneto than he is Professor X. And This is a fun book. I I'll, really like it. I'll and they're writing it believably enough that it works. I'm not reading it going, come on, they would never do this. You know, It's a lot of fun. I'll grant you that that's a compelling hook. I don't want a whole book about it. Fair enough. I think it works better. As a background plot in the regular X-Men book. Giving it a buy it. I'm giving it a skim it because every time I read it, I'm like, I just don't care. You're I a just, man. It's not that I don't care. I just, 
I don't love it. Wolverine is also back with a new number one, this time by Paul Cornell with art by Alan Davis. We just talked about this two weeks ago. Joe Patrick gave it a buy it. I gave it a skim it. Yeah, but I can't like, we're one issue deep, so I can't. Oh, no, you didn't, no, we both said skim it because it just didn't feel like much of it's anything. It's very small. Yeah. I feel like we should abstain on this one because it's literally just one issue in. All right, that's fair. I'm scribbling it out. No score there. All right. Well, time will tell. X-Men Legacy. This one I didn't keep up with. It's well told. It's got tan, uh, tan and hat art. Cy Spurrier's writing it, who I like. Yeah. He's good, and I like the character Legion that this is focusing on. I just wasn't interested enough in I it. I don't think Legion could support his own book. I don't know if that's a leave it or a skim it, because it's not that it's not good. It's just that I'm not interested. I'm saying leave it. And yeah, that's fair. That's I have to say leave it. Two of those. Young Avengers. This one's also written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Jamie McKelvey. I love this book. I love it. I do too. Love it, love it, love it. The art is fantastic. The story is fun. It's this weird mishmash of characters that you would never think would work together at all, but it's totally working. Ton of fun. I agree. And he's bringing that kind of cool, young sensibility. It's young characters that don't feel like they're written by old men. Right. And that's what makes it great. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Okay. Moving right along. Journey into mystery. This is Catherine Immerman. With art by Valerio Shitty. Skeety. <laughs> I just talked about this last week. I gave it a buy it. And I think it's the best book for Marvel now that you're probably not reading. I agree. I think that it's really wonderful. It's got beautiful art. And the coloring by Jordi Belair is amazing. Yes. Jordi Belair, uh, Jordi Belair colors other books. But for some reason, it really stands out to me on Journey into Mystery. And I think that it is a really great book. I love Sif. I love that she's in the spotlight. I love it. This book's going to get canned. Yep. She's too bad, too, because she is now Marvel's Wonder Woman. Yeah, pretty much. Totally. I do want to give special props to Captain Marvel, which is not that different in the wake of Marvel now, but it's a female-led book by uh, a female writer, strong art, beautiful story, really wonderful, and you should be reading that as well. I know. And finally, let's leave off with Red She-Hulk by Jeff Parker with art by (laughs) Carlo Pagulayan. And Wellington Alves. I, you're just not going to make me care about the Red She-Hulk, Marvel. You're not going to do it. Betty was a much more effective character when she's dead. Because it gives the Hulk a reason to be the Hulk. Well, I don't want Betty to be dead because Hulk was Hulk while she was still alive. I know, but, but it makes him feel even, you know, it pushes him even further. He it's doesn't more, need a reason to be the Hulk. He's I, the Hulk. I get, I don't mean a reason to be the Hulk, but I mean a reason to be tortured. A reason Whatever. to be angry. He's going to be tortured no matter what. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't don't hate it. I like Jeff Parker. I like Carlo Pagulayan. I don't care about this book. I'm not going to... I've read two issues of it. It's not poorly written. I just don't care. I agree. I think the Red She-Hulk... I think Red She-Hulk is a stupid character. It's a gimmick. Like, if this book was about A-bomb, I think it was stupid, too. Yeah, absolutely. But... And I don't know... Yeah, I don't know why they thought that this was going to be a, a high seller. And it also gets extra points deducted. They brought back Machine Man, and they kind of reverted him back to his boring yeah. kind of yeah. like stoic self. They, leave it. They took that Warren Ellis joy right out of there. I'm saying leave it. I'm saying leave it. Let's pause the tape and count up the score. Your final score on the official THN scoreboard, the state of Marvel now. We have 37 buy-its. Keep in mind that's you know, one from each there of There are two of us. There's titles. Eight skimmits and seven leave-its. What it sounds like, we are deep into marvel now buddy <laughs> gross we're loving it that's gross i gotta say i love it so far i do too i'm really happy with what's going on as as a relaunch not a reboot right it is a much more satisfying experience absolutely than what dc did two thumbs up for marvel now you heard it here sort first. Of, sort of, break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the North Korean barbecue episode of THN. If two nerds simplifying foreign policy and threats to global peace is your idea of a good time, you could subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you're going to prove your THN love. You can leave us a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in centrifuges and uranium rods, you can make your donation in any amount. 
using our adorable little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's the cutest thing ever. You feel all fuzzy inside when you push it. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, which is at TwoHeadedNerd, our Skype handle, which is TwoHeadedNerd with no spaces, and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. I'm sure you know how email addresses work. Where you can send us your love slash hate mail. You can leave us a voice message or ask us to review your self-published comic, whether it's printed, digital, or whatever. And don't forget to check out all of the new content from the THN Love Slaves over at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including the return of Gems in the Bin. The return of Gems in the Bin by... Tony Dub Wright, the TD Dubs. By the TD Dubs, that's right. This week he's reviewing New Frontier number two. Oh, old school New Frontier. Not Darwin Cook's The New Frontier. No, but... Some weird indie book. Oh. Yeah, I don't even... I've never even heard of it. Oh, I thought it was like Marvel New Frontier way back. No, I have never even heard of it. It looks bananas. Oh, boy. Check it out. While you're there... Nope. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear even more of your answers and our own, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive not safe for Wiggler's audio blog, the new and improved answer of the week. For those of you asking when the answer of the week will appear on iTunes, check the iTunes feed right now. Really? Really? It happened? It's about to. We're hosting two podcasts? No, we're not hosting two podcasts. <laughs> Next week, it's time for Ask a Nerd. So send us your email question with the subject line, Ask a Nerd, or Skype us, and we'll play your question on the show. Before we go... Our weekly shout-out goes to Roger Ebert, who passed away at age 70 this week. He spent his life trying to steer us away from terrible movies, and I can't think of a more noble cause. Word to you, Roger. And until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Two thumbs up to you, buddy. There you go.